The reading this morning is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through to 13, and this can be found on page 947 of the Church Bibles. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptised by him in the river Jordan. John wore clothing made of camel's hair, with a leather belt round his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptised by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted, tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. This is the word of the Lord. This morning's theme is not really part of any wider uh, series. We've just finished one series. Next week we're going to begin another one, taking us through Lent. But we're pausing uh, this morning to think on um, spiritual disciplines a little. Just as we're entering into this period of Lent. What do we mean by spiritual disciplines? There was quite an influence in 78 by Richard Foster called Celebration of Discipline. He came up with 12 chapters looking at different disciplines. His were prayer, fasting, meditation, study, simplicity, solitude, submission, service, confession, Worship, guidance, and celebration. I picked this book off my shelves, which I have dipped into. I'm not going to pretend to you that I have read it all, but I have dipped into. And I, I originally thought I might... Li- it, would, it would take the entire time just to read the different contents of different things. But just to say, there are all kinds of lists, all kinds of disciplines... Silence, spiritual direction, Sabbath, teachability, rest, small groups, hospitality, justice, stewardship, fasting, liturgical prayer, intercessory prayer, all kinds of, it's just to say, there are all kinds of disciplines. And now I'm going to take you through each one. I'm really not. But I'm, I'm wanting to talk about the, the principle, if you like, of 
being intentional in spiritual disciplines. Being intentional about nurturing our relationship with God, being intentional about our following of Christ, and being intentional about being open to God's Spirit. To ask ourselves the question, what's going to help me in my walk with God? What is going to help me in my relationship with God? What's going to help me to follow Christ? What's going to help me be open to the Spirit? And then having at least a tentative answer to those questions, then saying, well, how do I then build that into my life? Or how do I spend a period of time when I focus, give some extra focus to such things for my spiritual growth? Mark's gospel opens, really, with a preparation I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths. It's a picture of preparation in some ways. Prepare the way for the Lord. Because the fact is, this is the beginning of the gospel. This is the beginning of the story of Jesus. God is on the move. God is doing something new and radical which reshapes history for all time. And, and John's there at the beginning bringing God's message, saying, get ready, prepare the way. Now, if we ever get to a point where we think that our preparations are the big thing, we've put the cart before the horse, we're, we're, we're wrong there. Our preparations are not, what God is doing is what is central and important. But here, right at the beginning, we're given this role, aren't we? We're called. Prepare the way for the Lord. That was John the Baptist's message and call. And we're thinking about spiritual disciplines because we're about to enter into Lent. This period of 40 days, if anyone wants to uh, have a nerdy conversation about how they count the 40 days, because it's not very straightforward, I'll try to have a nerdy conversation with you. But basically, 40 days in preparation for Good Friday and Easter. Preparing for what is the central feast and celebration of the church's year. Uh, Easter is the big one. That's why we meet on Sundays, because it's Resurrection Day. Every week, it's a mini Easter. <laughs> but once a year, we say, let's have a big Easter, <laughs> as it were. Let's celebrate this. Because of the huge Easter, which happened just the once, Jesus rising from the dead. And, and this is the big, the big one. And Lent leads up to it. One of the reasons why Lent grew is um, because Easter was, and still is in some ways, a, a great traditional time to have baptisms. And just to say, we do have a believer's baptism coming up this Easter. Uh, it's my Thomas, is at the moment the only candidate. Uh, I'm happy to have other conversations, but uh, uh, Thomas is coming for baptism on <coughs> Easter Sunday. Traditional time for baptisms. But actually, the reason I mentioned that is because originally Lent grew as people were preparing to be baptised. 
preparing to come into the church fully for the first time. But over time, other people said, actually, this isn't a bad thing to do once a year, to actually revisit that time when we first came in and say, let, let, let's remind ourselves of that and let, let's, let's get serious again about that. Reaffirming our own baptismal vows. What are, what are those traditional vows? Often, or the questions which John says, do you turn to Christ? Do you repent of your sins? Do you renounce evil? It interests me that looking at those, that they are in many ways really similar, really similar to the kind of John the Baptist ministry questions, <laughs> actually. Do you repent of your sins? Do you renounce evil? And then, when Christ is real, do you turn to Christ? <laughs> and he says, stop looking at me. <laughs> Look at him. So preparing the way for the Lord. John the Baptist calls people to repentance. That's his big We mean turning away from an old way of life that we know to be wrong and displeasing to God. And as we turn away, there's also a sense of turning towards God. If we have turned our back on God and need to repent, we turn around and we're turning towards him. And so it's turning our back on sin instead of our back on God and putting our face towards God rather than our face towards sin. And so we turn towards God and this is what John is telling people that they must do in preparation for what God is doing in sending his Messiah prepare the way and the way he invites people uh, commands people to uh, respond is in that case uh, baptism in the river Jordan the baptism of John, which is not quite the same as Christian baptism. It has lots of the building blocks, but Christian baptism has more. It kind of, uh, I don't think it has less than what was there in John's, but it has more than is there in, in John's. And actually, if you read Acts, it's very clear that John's baptism is not quite the same as Christian baptism. Another conversation, less nerdy, which I'm happy to have at uh, any time. But what, was, what interests me is that... Uh, Baptism was not entirely new with John. At around the same time, you were getting uh, people who were... When Gentiles came into and wanted to become followers of Israel's God, they would be baptised. They would go through a ritual washing. So that they could, as far as non-Jewish people could, be included within uh, that uh, people. And John comes along and says, you know those Gentiles who need to go and have that washing to come right before God? He said, well, so do you who are even born into this community. You're needing to come. You're needing to repent. You're needing to put away the old ways. You're needing to come fresh to God. 
And John himself is one of those people who, who's rather living on the edge. He's living on the edge of society, the edge of the desert, dressed in odd clothes with a rather odd diet. There is a sense in which John is one of the forerunners of, of what became monasticism, which is people withdrawing from everyday life to be kind of alone with God and kind of rejecting all kinds of trappings, which weren't necessarily wrong in themselves, but kind of taking that Hebrews 12 verse 1 message of, of throwing off everything that hinders. There's a verse which talks about throwing off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, is the verse. And therefore, everything that hinders is not necessarily sin. It's a, sin is one of the things, but actually everything that hinders. And John is one of these people who's just kind of, at the call of God, is, is kind of rejecting all the trappings of civilised and sophisticated society. And he's just coming up with this very raw message of get right with God. He's doing a new thing. So God, John calls for repentance and he models a certain kind of, of spirituality, a certain kind of sort of ascetic stripping away of all that, that hinders. But as we continue to look in Mark's gospel, let's look beyond John to Jesus. That's what John would tell us to do. That's actually also what our baptismal promises say let's turn to Christ so let's turn to Christ and look at him in this passage because in some ways it's it's amazing Jesus is God incarnate he is divine he is the son of God in human form and he comes to John and he is baptised. And he hears those wonderful words, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descends on him as a dove. In verse 12, at once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. The wilderness experience of Jesus was not a mistake. <laughs> it was not incidental. It was part of the Spirit's work. Very clear in what's said here. The Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. Here's Jesus, God's son, who's been baptised the Spirit's been poured on him, words of affirmation spoken over him. And before he goes into ministry, he has this time of preparation in the wilderness. It strikes me that if he needed such a time, it seems appropriate that the uh, rest of us also need those times of withdrawal, preparation for what God has for us. So I have lost where I was there. So the Spirit sends him into the desert. 
the place where God has actually done quite a lot of these dealings with his people in the past. 40 years in the desert. In the desert. It interests me that actually uh, with the Apostle Paul coming later, he also is taken away and, and he spends time before his ministry in the desert. It's one of those mini verses that tells us something about Paul's life, that, that actually after his conversion, there's this time of preparation. So God prepares people for service and ministry by taking us often away, away from distractions, away from the everyday to a place where the desert strips things away. And there is wisdom. There is wisdom in the idea that this should be part of the rhythm of our living. Tempted by the devil, with the wild beasts, ministered to by angels. Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel give us much more detail about that temptation uh, than Mark does. But it is about kind of dealing with the evil outside of us, the devil himself, but that evil outside of us, but also the temptations within us, and actually getting ourselves right with those wrong calls on our life, of which there are many and loud. Actually dealing with those wrong calls, not once and for all, actually even for Jesus, you know, the devil left him until an opportune time, and, and you find some of the same struggle happening at Gethsemane. as it were, recognising the pull of evil in our lives. When it comes to being with the wild animals, some commentators suggest that, uh, that there's a certain sense, which is it's really only here in Mark's Gospel, there's a certain sense of, of, of being somehow rightly related with the wider created world. He's... Why does, why does Mark mention this? It, it, I, I wouldn't want to put too much weight on this because it's just a small verse and it's open to interpretation. But, but with the wild animals, just this, this sense of, of being there in the raw creation and actually then being rightly related. And so many people actually find a useful spiritual discipline is getting away from the buildings and into the open and God's creation. And receiving from God, ministered to by angels. It is a battle out there in the desert, but also it, it's a time of receiving from God, ministered to by angels. So this prepares for ministry. Let me just tell you a little about one of my, um, somebody who's been a bit of a spiritual hero of mine. I was at university up in uh, 
up in Durham. And uh, where I lived was uh, one or 200 yards from the uh, cathedral there. And uh, I got to know about a man and his life, a man called Cuthbert, Saint Cuthbert, who's buried there. And that's why the whole city got built around his shrine. And so I got to know a little bit about Cuthbert and about the northern saints and about the Celtic way often of being and doing church. One of the things about Cuthbert is that he would spend months on his own with God. And his life was this kind of pendulum. Or they would have probably talked about tides going in and out. Months when he would be alone with God. And then months when he would do missionary tours around Northumbria, the borders of Scotland. And had immense success in spreading Christianity in a pagan world. And he would do this and then he would go and spend some more months in prayer. And then he would go and spend some more months on the road. And it's quite characteristic of a certain kind of spirituality, often called Celtic spirituality, about withdrawal and re-engagement, withdrawal and re-engagement, which I think is, is good and healthy. The Celtic Christians often liked to be on islands where they could be cut off. But actually Lindisfarne, which is where he was based, was cut off some of the time and connected some of the time. And that's a perfect sort of balance. So we get ready for God's work in us and through us, rejecting the devil, renouncing evil, renouncing sin, being intentional about our relationship with God, being intentional about following Christ, being intentional about being open to the Spirit. So, what's that list again? Prayer, fasting, meditation, study, simplicity, solitude, submission, Service, confession, worship, guidance, celebration. Or more and more and more that I could name. Compassion, witness, unity. Self-examination, retreat, slowing, holy communion. Unplugging. So the question is, how are you, how am I going to be more intentional about preparing for what God wants to do with our lives? It's about what God wants to do with our lives. But how are we going to be more intentional about being open to him and cooperating with him, as it were, in what he is wanting to do in our lives? Let's pray. Lord, 
I do ask that you will speak. You will speak in the quiet of our hearts and prompt us. What is it that you would have us do so that we can be more intentional for what you have for us and for what you want to do with us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.